Oftentimes, it's better to start with creativity to help you learn the facts. Life is too short to learn a, a list of a thousand rando words. From the campus of Stanford University, this is Schools In with your hosts, Dan Schwartz and Denise Pope. Welcome to Schools In. I'm Denise Pope, Senior Lecturer with the Graduate School of Education at Stanford University, and I'm with my co-host, Dan Schwartz, Dean of the Graduate School of Education. And I should point out that we are not actually physically together in the studio. Because of COVID-19, we are practicing social distancing. I see Dan through a screen. He's looking great. And our guest will also be joining us through a screen via Zoom. Denise, college in the time of COVID, Pope. College in the time of COVID. It's yeah. so different. So yeah. different. Just like everything else. Yeah. So, Dan, if you're, if you're an administrator at a college right now, what? What are you thinking? Or, or, or you're, you're starting, you're about to take a job as a president of a college. What's Ooh. going through your head right now? Yeah, so I'll, let me take that thought experiment. Okay. So I'm, I'm trying, I'm better yet, I get to start a new college. Okay, you get to start uh, a brand new college. Yeah, and it's in the time of COVID. Okay. So I, I probably don't start by saying, what, what technology am I going to use? Right? I start by deciding what are the values you know, so I'd, I'd probably go for, um, just because I was a philosophy undergraduate, I'd probably go for a new liberal arts. Uh, you'd want students to have breadth, uh, so they engage many, many ideas from many sectors. Uh, you want depth, so they understand what it means to know a thing, to know it well. And then I would add some new things. Uh, I think I would add uh, the ability to work in teams. I think this is what the modern, the future workforce looks like. And then the, the ability to embrace and engage uh, difference across differences. Wait, so you think working in teams is new? We have a lot of colleges that do that, Dan. I, I think the workforce. I think a lot more of your work in the workforce is team-based intellectual work, you know, where you're working with other people trying to figure out how to solve problems. Uh, so so, I'm, so I'm, thinking, I'm thinking liberal arts college. Okay, so, so you, you would design a liberal arts college. That's right. I would design it so that students would have breadth, depth, uh, have opportunities to learn how to work in teams and how to engage across different opinions and heartfelt beliefs. So now, what would I do in the time of COVID? Right, that, that, that strikes me as the hard problem. How, how do you implement that? And imagine there are students who have yet to be to college and they're coming, they're going to, they're not actually going to get to come to college or they're only going to get to come a few weeks. So how would you pull that off? I, I find that a really interesting creative problem that uh, I'm not trying to solve. <laughs> <laughs> you dodged that bullet, huh? How about you? If you were, if you're going to take over a new college and you, you sort of had, you had to, you have to honor its history, you know? But, oh, but you, you get, get to design a new one, but I have to honor the history. I was just trying to make it easier. You could have chosen a great books curriculum. So yeah, you know, it's yeah. like, are they going to read Newton or Kepler? I will tell you what is really interesting for me to think about, you know, these things called distribution requirements. It's like what you have to take, even if you're majoring in computer science, there are schools where you have to take, like you said, humanities or liberal arts or d depending on, on what your major is, schools have distribution requirements. Everybody has to fulfill those, and then there's the major requirements. But I had a kid go to a college without any distribution requirements. And that's also really interesting to think about. And, um, you know, the kids take classes that they want to be in. And there's not this sort of struggle. I have another kid, I'm not going to out any of my children here, but, but who is sort of 
holding their nose, taking a particular class that they don't really want to be in, but it's meeting a distribution requirement. So one big thing to think about is sort of what do you actually require? How, what's the level of specificity? Because I want them to have exposure too. I, I want computer science majors to read, uh, to be familiar with the arts and understand literature. And, you know, so we're really talking about what does it mean to be an educated human being? Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure what I think about uh, letting my son take whatever he wants. Because? Uh, maybe a little bit of a knucklehead in there. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, he's a 19-year-old uh, golf, pottery, tennis, you know. Well, and, I, and I'll, I'll just put one plug in here for that. The schools that do this admit kids who they know have a wide range of interests or have interdisciplinary interests and end up taking kind of a, a broader range. That's, that's an overgeneralization, but that's what I've been, been told from these kinds uh, of Very schools. good. Very good. Uh, so there's been interesting solutions. You know, Stanford tries to make courses that the course itself is interdisciplinary. So you might have a biologist and an ethicist teach a course together you know, that's to, awesome. to talk about that. topics of gender, for example. Yeah. So it's, a, it's an interesting solution. So we are very fortunate to actually be interviewing someone who's about to become a president in the time of a college in the times of COVID. Uh, it's my pleasure to welcome Harry Elam. He is a professor uh, in, of theater. He's also the vice provost for undergraduate education, vice president for the arts, and senior vice provost for education at Stanford. So he's helped to reimagine the student experience at Stanford in and out of classrooms, and uh, he's led the strategic plan for the arts at Stanford, among many, many other things. Uh, he's been here since 1990, but he recently was named and accepted to be the 16th president of Occidental College in Los Angeles, and that begins July 1st. So welcome, Harry. Thank you. It's a pleasure being here and uh, talking with you both. And I've been taking notes on what you talked about real, earlier so I can uh, put it into practice as I go on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. I'm glad we were able to help. So D Denise tells me that Occidental is the campus they use for a lot of Hollywood movies. Yeah, um, it's uh, – uh, sorry, I'll start again. Yes, <laughs> there's been a lot of movies made there, and there's this fountain that I haven't seen, but it will, will, because it's being repaired. But it was used as Spock's home in one of the Star Wars movies, so uh, Star wow. Trek movies, you know. Wow. So that, and along with uh, a, a variety of other pictures, were made there. When they need a college campus, Occidental has been used. So, so, so you're you're walking into a new college. How, how do you think about uh, the academic program? You know, do they have a strong, do they have like a great books curriculum or they're a professional, a comprehensive school? Yeah. When you talked about uh, a, a liberal arts curriculum, um, they are a place that uh, is trying to get breadth and depth and um, also um, has a core, a thing that we just instituted to some degree at Stanford or we're going to work towards um, a core, not where everybody has to take the exact same thing but has to take things in certain areas. Um, and so that core has been in place. And they also have something called comps at the other end, which is uh, basically a capstone experience that everyone has to do. And it can be in a variety of different areas or a variety of mechanisms. So it could be a performance. It could be a paper. So then um, that's something, as I said, Stanford has come a long way to thinking about a core like uh, first year. Stanford has also just instituted at the faculty center last week, a, a new capstone experience. So, so things they have in common. One of the things that 
uh, I really uh, like about uh, Occidental is their commitment to social justice. So you talked before about uh, the notion that you wanted something practical or hands-on or, or also a group um, in terms of education. I, I would expand that to it. I'd love to see experiential learning as a key component of undergraduate education. And that's something through social justice that can happen at Occidental. That's something that happens at Stanford in a variety of ways. So that, that would be like service learning? That would be part like of the service course. learning. Uh, absolutely. Would be research. Um, mm -hmm. Undergraduate research would also be something like a, a often overseas studies, that cultural immersion that happens there and that we have at our being overseas campuses across the globe. This is Schools In with Denise Pope and Dan Schwartz. We are talking with Harry Elam, who is about to take over as president of Occidental College in the middle of a pandemic. So, Harry, what, 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 how have you been handling the, that COVID-19 aspect? Are you, because you don't take over to July, I'm assuming you're in on some of the meetings as they think about, are we going to have kids back on campus? Yes, I'm in on those meetings because uh, those meetings uh, impact what's going to happen in the fall. And that's the big question for any school right mm -hmm. now is how do we deal with the fall and so what's going to happen? And me, you're oh, dealing sorry, sorry. with it with uncertainty. No one knows where the virus will be, where it will be in terms of proximity to uh, anything from testing to vaccines, et cetera. So trying to come up with a plan for the fall is difficult. So um, you, Stanford is doing it right now as well. Have you thought at all, given the heavy experiential, is there a way to create those experiential courses, offerings, even though they're virtual? Is, is anybody talking about this yet? You know, that's a great question. I haven't heard, and I'd, I'd love to see. Um, people are doing some interesting things in, in terms of uh, the, the space that is uh, uh, a Zoom uh, classroom or the, the remote classroom. And one of the things that uh, uh, Oxy's been big on, but I think is happening here, is, is how some professors are following up, you know, meaning that, yes, the, you have the, the class, but then you're creating assignments that the student is doing outside of class that are not, not necessarily in the same time. So project-based things that they have to do on their own and then bring back to the class. And also professors are having more uh, smaller class dialogues that are part of it. So creating a template, uh, a course structure that allows for that uh, innovative or interesting uh, uh, individual work or potentially even teamwork. So, yeah, I think it is happening to an extent. But I'm, I'm going to. So I, I agree. I see a lot of that. So we have a teacher education program. Mm -hmm. And a key component of that is that teachers are in the classrooms. Right. So they're learning through the experience of yeah. uh, being a mentee to some extent. There are no classrooms. Right. And so, well, there so are how, virtual classrooms, Dan. Right? So how, how do we get them? How do we or or service learning? You know, you go out and you work in, uh, say, a nursing home or a prison and you learn something about it. Can we can we recreate those experiences online or, you know, will it will it still have some of the pizzazz, even if it's not physically there? I think, think you can have fun? some of the pizzazz, but I think what we would say that makes Stanford unique, that makes a, a liberal arts college unique is the residential experience. And we can't have it um, for at least for a little bit, or it's gonna be a transformed uh, residential experience. But I think we can find some things within the new format that uh, really 
communicate potentially better or at least differently. Um, people talk about the new normal as an idea that we're not going to get back to the same. And that also the, the idea of, uh, of, of growth. Can we in this environment somehow find opportunity, challenges, growth? So in, for example, and uh, Stanford just had this virtual uh, uh, admit weekend, which was amazing. Some close to 5,000 people saw it. Whereas in a normal admit weekend, we have about 3,000 people here. So that's more people it's getting to. And talking to people about that, they felt in some ways it was more intimate, seeing on the screen that face and feeling that that person was talking directly to you. So how do we create that in the classroom in ways that are beneficial to the students and they feel there's this intimate contact with the professor that couldn't happen in other areas or in other ways? And then some of the, the neat things that are uh, available in terms of technology. We had a meeting the other day where we broke off into little subgroups and the Zoom mechanism technology broke up the groups and broke these 30 people up. And over the course of the afternoon, different groups met with different people. We got a chance to meet with everyone there. That's something neat that can happen with technology and, and, and keeps that from getting stale in terms of uh, as you're sitting in the seat talking to your computer screen. You know, yeah. you can interact with different people. This is Schools In with Denise Pope and Dan Schwartz. We are talking with Harry Elam about college online, basically, and the differences between college during the time of COVID-19 and college before and after. And, and I'll put a plug in for some of the, the cool research opportunities that I've seen. You know, you can't necessarily do live field work, but you can interview people who maybe you would never have had access to. So, uh, you know, people far, far away in different countries can get online together and you can do your field work that way without maybe direct observation. But as Harry said, it's opening up some some possibilities. It's closing some as well. Um, I, I think the the residential aspect of college is something I can tell you with college kids at home right now, they really, really miss. They, okay, so, that is a huge loss. So uh, have I told you, Denise, my solution for the lack of dorm life? Uh, no, right? Dan, so, you have so, not. Because students aren't going to be able to be in the same room, you know, the same studio, which which is an incredible experience. Right. Oh, of having a roommate? Having yeah, a roommate we, is, we is that's a really important, I think, experience actually at college is so to I learn gonna, how to get along with someone really different from you and live with so them. So I was going to make every freshman have a buddy. And at 10 o'clock at night, they had to talk to him for a while before they went to bed. <laughs> Online? Mm. Yes. <laughs> that's not a bad idea, Dan. I, yeah. I like that idea, Dan. You think? You think? Yeah. <laughs> Harry's going to use that at Oxy yep. now. Mm. I just watch TV. I think we had an interesting conversation at my house, which is if you could only have certain years of college being on campus and certain years not, Good is it question. better to have like the freshmen on because they don't have any idea or is it better not to have the freshmen because they don't know what they're missing. So they just get college in that way. And it was a really fascinating conversation. So I'm going to throw that out to the two of you. So I would say that there's no, Nothing that replaces that experience for first-year students as they come to the campus. You know, new student orientation, the anticipation, things are new. The energy is so unique that I'd hate to lose that. And when students come to Stanford, one of the things they remember is that all frosh dorm and what life was like there. So I think I would want frosh there at the beginning of that first year. Jump to the end, senior year, spring. That, too, is a memorable time, and many students, sadly, are missing that this year as they are, you know, off campus. And as we talk to students, they feel in many ways unmoored. 
And this is a way, uh, if we can have them back for that senior year in the, in the spring, that's another time for them to bond, for them to reflect and look back, and for them also to feel like they're not alone as they go forward. So it's really, and so those are the two times I definitely would want, two times and, and definitely those classes on campus. What do you think, Dan? Uh, I, I think that's really compelling. I, I hear both of those. I, I don't know, you know, one of the other alternative is you uh, rotate people through. You know, yeah. so the, the fall is the freshmen, the winter is the sophomores. Uh, I, I don't know if two and a half months, three months is enough of that experience. You know, that what is the time course of the freshman experience where you're starting to develop your identity, uh, peer groups, things are much more complicated than you thought you were in high school. Could you do that in three months or do you really need a full year experience? The, the back and forth of living in a dorm and then coming home and all the transitions you have to do about being with parents now and different rules and, you know, you got to come out of your room and eat meals and do chores. And, you know, it's, it's a hard transition to go back and forth and back and forth. Or maybe harder for you, Denise. As the and very hard <laughs> for mom and dad. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, Harry, what else are you thinking about as you think? I mean, obviously, health and safety come first and the professors Absolutely. health and safety, too. Yeah. So I think one thing as the schools have to think about, and this is not just in this time of COVID, but going forward is summers and what can happen in the summer. A place like Dartmouth has uh, their sophomore summer. Where they have all the sophomores back. We have a number of students. We, Stanford, have a number of students who are here uh, in the summer doing research doing classes. And so how do we think more strategically and systematically about summers? And this is something I'll be considering down at, at uh, Occidental as well. Um, they don't uh, uh, really have a summer school, but they have a summer research college. And that's been important. But I think there may be other things that develop that can only happen then. And it may be out of necessity. Some schools may not want to have school in the fall, so they can begin in January use the spring, and then, in fact, use the summer. So that's one thing I think schools have got to think about, and we'll think about there in the summer. The other thing is, is, is this idea of making the most out of a crisis or opportunity is, is thinking about uh, um, what it does or uh, what's possible in terms of the arts and, and, and classes that uh, are taught uh, in terms of performance. Uh, like, uh, how do you do an acting class online? Well, you can, and, but you have to be imaginative in doing it. Um, at uh, NYU, they even did a production, uh, Shakespeare production, uh, basically on Zoom, which is That's awesome. Cool. This is Schools In with Denise Pope and Dan Schwartz. We've been talking with Harry Elam about all the things you have to think about during COVID-19 running a college and running a university. We will have more with Harry talking about this topic next on SiriusXM. This is Schools In. I'm okay. not an expert at this. Okay. I'm more expert than you. When you can't read in American society, you are really left out. With Dan Schwartz and Denise Pope from the campus of Stanford University. Welcome back to Schools In with Dan Schwartz and Denise Pope. We are talking with Harry Elam, who has been at Stanford for years and years and is about to take over as president of Occidental College in Southern California. Both exciting and kind of daunting during a pandemic. Stanford decided to make its courses pass-fail. And the reason it did this was not because they felt the quality of instruction was going to be inferior, but rather it is that the students may be at home and they may be on very uneven footing is their ability to complete courses and uh, requirements. 
And I'm sure uh, first-generation students uh, probably bumping into this more than others. So, Harry, you're on the front lines of this. What, what are the kinds of challenges that, that you're hearing about? And then what creative solutions are there? So one of the things that we've seen happen because of the pandemic and because we've had to teach from remote locations is a disparity between those who have and have not. It's exasperated and it's profound in terms of what we see on our campuses now translated to students having to go home. And at home, they may find a place where they have to talk online and study, you know, with sisters and brothers around, with family around, and just not an ideal location to study. They may not have the equipment. They may not have a connection to Wi-Fi. I was talking with a guy in charge of IT at Occidental, and he rushed to get this woman who was in Chicago the necessary equipment so she could do the work she needed in her room at home. She just didn't have it there. She had no connection to what's possible. And we see that again and again in terms of students really not being able to have the kind of learning experience we'd like them to have because of their home situation or because of their responsibilities at home. Once home, they may have to take care of siblings. They might have to take care of parents in ways that they didn't otherwise so when they were at school. So it's a very different environment, and the playing field is all the more uneven when students are at home. And there's also the very real possibility that because of the pandemic and the job loss, students won't be able to afford to come back. So I, I know yeah. that, that Stanford is dealing with that. My guess is Occidental is dealing with that, too. What are your, what are your thoughts there, Harry? Yeah, it, it, so the number of students, uh, Stanford has about 50% of its students on some form of aid. That number is going to go up. And Stanford is ready to meet that as we are need blind. Uh, Oxy has over 70% of the students have some sort of financial aid. So that's going to go up too. Um, and so we have to be ready for that and aware of the needs of families and being able to uh, help them afford what we want, which is for their kid to be at school. So we're uh, facing budget, budget cuts, you know, uh, at, at the Graduate School of Education. And one of the, and we, we provide 100% aid for the PhD students. So one solution was to reduce the cohort size to save money. Is that, is that possible at a place like Stanford or Occidental? You know, this is, this is a PhD program, so it's quite different. But. It's, it's hard at a place like Occidental um, that is tuition dependent. We need students to be there. Um, and so we're depending on having a certain level of class. So that's the reality that's there. Mm -hmm. Somewhat different at Stanford, though we are dependent or concerned with the, the revenue in and around room and board, which is different if we have no students on campus. So these are real issues that, uh, that we're facing right now. I'm trying to figure out how best to uh, stop the bleeding, you know, so that we can have the kind of educational experience we want at the school. This is Schools In with Dan Schwartz and Denise Pope, and we are talking with Harry Elam about all the many decisions uh, that have to be made to keep colleges up and running, and really for the well-being of the kids who are in very different situations, international mm -hmm. students, students who um, come from uh, less resourced areas who need to get Wi-Fi and hotspots and and uh, it's a load for everybody to handle, the professors, the administrators, the kids, everyone. Well, you know, so these, these inequalities uh, at home really uh, make me hear your argument that freshmen, we want to bring the freshmen on campus, right, so that they can have the opportunity to see different models, different opportunities, and become independent learners. 
Whereas if you left them at home, the disparities in all their contexts might have, have uh, make it difficult to achieve sort of collaborative goals within, within the cohort. One of the things that we uh, preached, uh, really, we want to develop in that first year is a sense of belonging and community. And those right. really need students to be there to do that. You just do. Um, it's, it's hard to achieve in remote settings. So reinforming, reinforming that sense of the value. You talked about the values and missions of an institution. That's a place in, in terms of having them there as first-year students to really reinforce those ideas of values and what you want to achieve and what you want them to see is the purpose of a undergraduate education. I was just going to say one thing that's been interesting is once you are a freshman. Um, so for instance, I have a kid who's an RA in college and, and she's still getting paid to be an RA during COVID-19 and she checks in on her students from her dorm. And I think you wouldn't even have that relationship with an RA unless you went to college and, right. and formed that. But now, you know, sort of spring quarter, there's that relationship and they really are leaning on, on the RAs and the RAs are there to support them. So you do need a base to facilitate some, some relationships that are going to help you keep going during mm -hmm. the time when you may but, have to go back. But Denise, all, all these people fall in love online. They've never met each other. Can't we <laughs> capture some of that magic? We, um, we, we might be able to, but I, I mean, look, I, I love college. I work at a college. My kids are in college. I want that four-year experience for everyone. You know, I, I, there's a lot of kids who are taking gap years right now thinking, let's just wait a year if we can make it happen financially um, and really start and have that uninterrupted, uh, hopefully uninterrupted experience in, in 2021. So you think the, the new normal will actually be the old normal once this is over? Except for we'll be going through the summer. Uh, I think there'll be some hybrid. I, I think you'll find some uh, classes where some part of the lecture or some part of the delivery could be online or remote or uh, in a Zoom situation. I think we're going to find that. I don't know yet what they are, but uh, we'll discover. Some professor will say, hey, this really clicked with my class. I want to do this again. The Stanford students uh, opted to take larger lecture courses. Uh, CS106, the course in Introduction to Programming, is up. It's a big course anyway, but is up over 200 students more. Econ 1, up as well. And what was down was humanities classes, with students maybe thinking, the experience of that seminar engagement was not going to be the same. But what I've been hearing from students who did do it is it, it's been a, a good situation that they could talk, they could enter into dialogue and discussion. It could happen in a variety of ways. So we're going to have to learn from that because we're going to have to implement some form of that in the fall. So, you know, uh, Coursera, they offer online courses. Mm -hmm. uh, since COVID, the, the enrollment in their humanities offerings has skyrocketed. Is that right? Yeah, and these are people who aren't taking courses for grades or anything. They're doing it for uh, personal enrichment. It's, it's, so, what's, it's what's helping people get through. It's great that uh, people are realizing that and seeing the power of the arts to transform what is often an isolating situation into something that could be much more positive. Harry, I'm, I'm jealous of your students-to-be at, at Occidental. We wish you the best of luck. We thank you so much for being here. And thank all of you for listening to Schools In with Dan Schwartz and Denise Pope. If you missed any of this episode, listen anytime on demand with the SiriusXM app on iTunes and SoundCloud. 
From the campus of Stanford University, this has been Schools In with Dan Schwartz and Denise Pope on Sirius XM Business Radio. If you missed any of it, listen on demand, online, or with the Sirius XM app.